Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by VentTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry to learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds And check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Hey everybody, I'm very pleased today to have as our special guest, Steph Sowers-Boyd. Steph is the president of Sowers Snow and Management based in the Philadelphia, PA area. And last week received the honor of being selected by the Snow and Ice Management Association as the CEO of the year. Congratulations, Steph. That's awesome. Thank you. And um, just thank you so much for being our guest today and just being willing to share a little bit about your story and some of your thoughts about the industry as a whole. And um, really want to kind of start out at the very beginning. You know, the the company, as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, was started by your, your two brothers, Joe and Mike, back in 1997. And then... Uh, you joined the company a few years after that, 2003, and um, so I'm just curious, you know, take us back to the beginning. Like, how did they get going, and how did you end up joining them, and what were those early days like? Yeah, so uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to sure. be here and share a little bit about our story. Um, so um, when we were growing up, we we lived in a residential neighborhood, and uh, the woman across the street was elderly. And my dad just kind of randomly told my brother Joe one day, hey, when you're out cutting our lawn, go over and cut the lawn across the street for the nice old lady. And my brother, you know, had no problem with that. But then the neighbors started seeing him doing that and they wanted their lawns cut as well. Hmm. Um, And he just, you know, he was like, oh, it's fine for the nice elderly woman, but I'm not gonna do the whole neighborhood for free. So he's got very much an entrepreneurial spirit about him. And uh, it kind of just went on from there. He created flyers, um, started setting his price, you know, rounded up a lot of customers in the neighborhood and the neighboring streets. Um, He brought my brother into it then. Um, So 
my oldest brother now is, um, I guess he's like 38 or 39. Mm -hmm. uh, my middle brother is, uh, why am I struggling with this? 34, I guess. No, 30, 36 and I'm 33. Okay. Um, so I'm the, I'm the baby of the group. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they were going around doing that in the neighborhood and I was still only in elementary school at this time. Um, they were, uh, they purchased, they talked my parents into helping them purchase some riding lawnmowers so they could ride around the neighborhood, cool. you know, with the weed whacker, right. you know, across their, uh, their laps. Uh, but then once they started getting more, our mom actually drove them around to some of their sites and uh, awesome. the the township yard was um, you. It was like right past our high school, so my brother would be in in his class in high school, and he would see my mom drive past, go into the township yard to fill it up with mulch for the uh, the spring cleanups and mulch jobs that night. Oh, that's perfect. Um, so, like I said, I was pretty young at that time, and I would just kind of go with them. I would do my homework in the truck, and then when we came back home. Um, they would do their homework and I would kind of do some of the book work. Like, yeah, I was still so young. I would listen to the messages and write them down for them. If anything came over the phone, um, you know, my brother would make the invoices on the weekend, but then I would fold them up and send them in the mail. Um, okay. so that's the, that's the real early days. Yeah. Yeah. So then there was a transition at some point um well kind of just give me the quick flyby so uh, you were that was the very beginning but then how did how and what when did you engage in a real serious way and what what have been what's kind of been your career path with your different roles in the company and and then how did that switch come to to now you're, you're the boss <laughs> and how did that happen <laughs> yeah so it just kind of evolved from there um i took a big interest in everything that was going on um, you know, wanted to be like my big brothers and do what they were doing. They were making my parents proud and I wanted to follow, you know, in those footsteps. Um, and you know, just as there were things that I could do on the properties, they would let me come out onto the jobs and, Hey, grab a rake, you know, do the little easy stuff. And then I wanted to do more. Um, so eventually when I started driving, I was a crew leader. As I learned more about the computer system, I started doing all the bookkeeping um and we all just you know put all of our our hands in all all day all the time um as far as how i've become the president um there was a time where we were trying to get the woman-owned business um credentialing okay. to try mm -hmm. to get some of those contracts um which we did obtain that certification but uh it just wasn't really our niche area like we find we find that we know where we're good at and being the low cost, you know, the cheapest price is never where we're at. So right. we never like, we could never land any of those contracts because of that. We always knew our numbers and it was never the right number for us. So once we figured that out, we went back to being um, equal owners and I just stayed on as president. I mean, honestly, it's, it's just kind of a title. The three of us are very, very equal owners and uh we all have our areas of expertise and we trust each other and what we're doing so yeah well that's a the humble answer i would expect from you but so what are your responsibilities <laughs> as president what do you do 
So we run our company on EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Mm -hmm. And there's a title within that operating system called uh, the integrator. Mm -hmm. And the role of the integrator is to make sure that the team is running um, at least at 80% efficiency on uh, six different components at all times. And I mean, really what that means is that the, the team is all rowing in the same direction, you know, break down any barriers that we might be seeing, make people feel, make sure the team is comfortable bringing issues up and resolving them as soon as possible. So we can just keep on rowing full steam ahead. Yeah. How long have you guys been embracing the EOS concept? I think it's been a little over, I think we're approaching two years now. Okay. So we're still pretty new to it. Um, I guess it was about two years ago, we hired a professional implementer Good. and like six months before that, I was messing around with trying to kind of uh, input some of the different, um, the uh, different tools without the team even really knowing, kind of getting their buy-in mm -hmm. before we even did it. Yeah, it's a great system. And if, if someone's listening to this and they haven't checked it out before, it's EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, developed by Gino Wickman. Um, and I don't know if you know this stuff, but um, Gino was, was my consultant in, in a previous life before I became a consultant. And we work with Gino directly in my company here in Michigan as we were scaling up. And, and uh, this was even before he was developing all his uh, really program materials. So it was the beta test of EOS in a way. Um, <laughs> but it was full-blown EOS and it was phenomenal. It was, it oh, was that's a game awesome. changer for us. Yeah, and Gino's is such a great guy to work with. Um, so I highly recommend it and super excited you guys are doing this. Um, yep. I'm curious about fa family. So growing up in a family business, have you, um, with your brothers, were your parents ever um, owners or were they involved in management or did they just really support you guys and let you do your own thing? Yeah, they held um, some level of ownership for a little bit, especially when we were really young. Um, but primarily they were, you know, they were the, the foundation that believed in us. Um, for the most part, we've managed it, um, ourselves, you know, my brother, um, Joe, like, I'll just bring him up again with his entrepreneurial spirit. Like he is always thinking about, you know, 10 steps ahead. Um, how can we be, you know, helping more people? How can we creatively grow this? Um, and he's a really good uh, quick thinker on his feet. Yeah. So with him kind of at the, uh, the head of it there as the, the older brother in the beginning, uh, you know, we were in pretty good shape. Yeah, no, that's cool. So something um, that's real common with family businesses, I grew up in a family business as well, is you end up giving uh, employment opportunities to everybody in the family for different reasons. And sometimes that doesn't work out. Have you uh, have you experienced some of that where you've had to bring in like cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff or, or or you felt, you know, obligated to bring in a family member and then and then maybe that wasn't a great decision or maybe it was maybe you had some really great success stories or have you avoided um, family as far as, you know, working in the company? Yeah, so we're first generation, obviously, so we haven't really come across, uh, you know, the issue of do any of our kids want to get involved yet? They're all still young. Um, you know, we're, lo we're looking years. ahead. We're looking ahead. We're sure it could, uh, you know, approach someday. Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
so we employed our father for quite some time. He was, he had worked with um, uh, driving a triaxle dump truck uh, for a company that did a lot of paving. Okay. Um, and that company went out of business. I forget what year we were probably, I mean, I was still, I want to say in high school when he was laid off, um, when that company went out of business. So we hired our dad pretty, pretty early on. Our mom was also on the books doing paperwork. Um, but that's, that's the extent of it. We haven't had any cousins come in. We don't have too big of a family. My mom's an only child. And, uh, well, um, so on a on a, a different um, aspect of that, um, the word family is used a lot on your website anyway, and 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 I would imagine your company has a somewhat of a family feel like it to it because you do a lot of events and support a lot of things. Can you talk to us about kind of just the culture you've tried to develop in your company? Yeah. Um... So I guess it was when we started EOS, we developed a set of core values. And I think since then, it's really our culture has, um, it's just really uh, become something that we all really wrap wrap around and enjoy being a part of. Um, that was um, inspired in part by uh, David Lammers and Jerry Schill, some separate conversations. I had networking with both of them. When I, when I started to see and understand exactly how the culture helped their company, that's when I started looking into it more deeply. And then with EOS, one of the, you know, the big steps that you take to implement it is coming up with your core values. So it all kind of just worked together. Um, what are one of those uh, values that really jumps out of to you is is very significant something you probably talk about on a regular basis sure i i really enjoy all of them um i would say besides community being my favorite which i'm sure we'll talk about at some point on the call power of a team you know we believe in investing in our team and you know everybody having their own piece of accountability and being committed to our culture Mm -hmm. yeah i love that okay all right cool um, is the company 100% snow only right now, or or do you have a separate company that does landscape? So you keep those separate as far as books and everything, or how, how does that how does that work? Or are you strictly snow? No, we have um, I don't know, 10% of our revenue probably comes from landscape maintenance still. Mm-hmm. Um, those sites are primarily sites where they want a contractor who does both their snow and their landscaping. Yes. So. And that's all done uh-huh. under your current brand, right? There's not a separate yes. company that's that has those contracts? Correct. Yep, okay. same brand. Got it. And tell us just a little bit about the company as far as, you know, your service scope and, and you know, are you primarily subcontracting model or are you a mix or in, in some of that? Give us a good feel of uh, the size and scope of the company. Yep, so we service uh, primarily like industrial sites, Class A office buildings, medical facilities, um, pretty much anything that, but we stay away from like apartments and HOAs at this point. Um, We service about a 20 to 30 mile radius. Um, We have about 25 trucks of our own um, and employ say about 20 to 30 seasonal employees in the wintertime. Uh, year round, we have 12 full-time employees. 
and we work uh, with about 45 service provider companies at this point in time. So primarily we are, uh, we do use the service provider model, um, but we have a layer of management. Um, so that's those 20 to 30 people that I just spoke about. They'll go out doing quality control mm-hmm. and be the, the, the contact person between the client and the service provider. Yeah, so important. And I love the phrase service provider. So thank you for correcting me. Um, my <laughs> old school uh, language here. Uh, talk to me a little bit about technology. Um, what are some of the technology platforms or whether it's software or equipment devices or GPS, some of the things that really stand out to you that really help you with your business? So we use um, Viasa's FieldWiz in the field. Uh, so each of our account managers and service providers have that on their devices and they take um, pictures and fill out checklists and collect all of the documentation in the field that comes back um, obviously through the portal and then our administrators take all of that information and create invoices um, using that information so that's in the field and then about a year, year and a half ago, we started actually creating our own CRM. Um, It started as making the CRM for our service provider side for our Mm -hmm. operations team. Um, And it's kind of snowballed from there. Now um, we have lots of integrations with it. It, um, Well, actually, I think you helped our team make our, our calculator. I did. For our proposal. So it, uh, I can basically upload that calculator into the new system that we built and it'll create the PDF proposal Nice. so that the guys don't have to worry about working in word and all that stuff, all the formatting. And then it uh, transposes that over into the documents that we use in the field. Um, So like the binders that our account managers have um, the pricing sheets that our admins use different things like that. That's cool. Good for you. What about from a labor standpoint? What are you finding are some good ways to um, source new people, whether it's, you know, somebody full-time year-round that you need to replace or add, um, or just a seasonal person? What what seems to be working? <sighs> That's <laughs> a good anything. question. If anything, right? <laughs> um, we've had a good bit of luck on Instagram, Indeed, and Facebook. I would say that's where most of our success has come from. Um, A lot of our seasonal employees have come from word of mouth, Um, whether it's like someone through our connections or if it's maybe we, we hired a seasonal employee last year and then they know a couple people that they refer. Um, So that's working for us right now. Um, and Instagram is a great, uh, place for finding service providers. Really? Um, Okay. How does that work? Tell us about that. Honestly, we have a couple, uh, people, a couple guys on our team that are so much better at Instagram. I mean, I can't even work myself around it on a personal level. So, um, they just do a really good job keeping the, their followers engaged and, um, that that's where they're telling us they're finding most of our new contractors. Yeah. So just more organic, just, just people who are following you and engaging on posts, not necessarily like advertising. 
No, no advertising. Yeah, just kind of collecting followers and keeping them engaged. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that's really great. That's awesome. Um, Well, I know that you have a CSP, you're certified snow professional, and you're also uh, certified with uh, um, ASCA. Um, So talk to me a little bit about certification. How do you see certifications benefiting you personally and in your business? Yeah, I mean, a certification, I feel like just gives you another opportunity to continue your education. And there's always something to learn. Um, even if, you know, you're on an hour long webinar and you only pick out one little thing, it could, uh, it, it could change your business. It could change your life. You only need to pick out one thing. Um, the other thing that we're a part of in our company is Vistage. Um, we did a emerging leaders program, one of the the first Mm -hmm. programs they had of it. Um, so me, Joe and Mike each went through it. And now, um, now two of our key employees are going through it as well. Um, so, I mean, just overall continuing education and personal development, employee development, all of that stuff really comes around full circle when you get into sticky situations or tough conversations or negotiations. I mean, there's so many different skills, you know, to be learned out there. Yeah. And that's a great point. I mean, that professional development, continuous learning is so important to keep people engaged. Um, And I know, you know, Sowers has been super involved in the Snowfighters Institute over the years and Grow the Bench and um, you know, all the trade associations that you've been active in. And, and that's just a great testament to, you know, your, your commitment to developing yourself and your company into, you know, real best practices company and also creating opportunities for your people. Um, so that's really cool. Um, I'm curious about if you could talk a little bit, and I know you're, you're um, sometimes, you know, sometimes people don't want to talk about awards, but you were recently named the CEO of the year by the Snow and Ice Management Association, which I mentioned at the beginning of the, the, the broadcast here. But you've also had a couple of other awards, and I just wanted to mention them. So also with SIMA, the Snow Industry Leadership Award and the American Cancer Society Volunteer Achievement Award winner. So, um, And maybe there's some other ones that I'm not even aware of, but um, what inspires you to get so involved in the industry? And, I mean, and, and, and other organizations, I, I, you know, American Cancer Society, I, I would say is not part of the industry necessarily, but you're, you're active outside your, your own business. And um, so that's my question is what, what drives you? Yeah, it's just something that I enjoy. Um, you know, I enjoy giving back, whether it's through the industry or something like the American Cancer Society. I just get a lot of satisfaction out of that out of helping others um so anytime that i can use a strength that i might have to help others um i enjoy doing that and i also enjoy you know i'm not i'm certainly not good at everything so i enjoy building the relationships where different things that i could use some tips or pointers in you know, like talking to Jerry Schill and Dave Lammers about culture and how that affects your company. You know, that was building that relationship by being involved in the industry and making those connections 
you know, has changed our business for, for the better forever. Yeah. And, and you guys are so active. I just love all your posts on social media, you know, and, and I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit about your nonprofit, Sours Cares. And um, I saw recently you had a car show <laughs> raising money for um, COVID relief uh, for CHOP and um, you're probably a bunch of other things as well. So talk to us a little bit about that. I'm really curious about how Sours Cares uh, came about. Yeah, so um, having my own nonprofit has probably been something I've been wanting to do for at least 10 years, but the timing just never seemed right. You know, you're so busy doing so many different things. But um, when we did our core values a couple years ago, community was one of the, the ones that we determined as a team. And um, yeah, you could just see how engaged the team is and how everybody rallies around the various activities that we're doing to give back. It's just, uh, everybody has a cause that's important to them. And when I was doing fundraisers strictly for when you don't have a nonprofit, you have to do it strictly for one organization, mm -hmm. basically, um, because you're telling people the money is going somewhere specific. So all of the money that we were raising through our different events was going straight to the American Cancer Society. And while that's all well and good and, you know, we trust them and what they do with the money, you know, the team wanted to rally around some other causes, suicide prevention, um, uh, organ donation awareness, um, NICU awareness. I mean, there's just so many things out there. It gives you um, control. Yeah. And, you know, we, we really feel like our business model is, you know, building connections, you know, finding a service provider that's a right fit for a job site. And the nonprofit we've set up is kind of similar, you know, finding a fundraiser that's the right fit for, um, you know, another nonprofit that's already doing great things and basically just kind of helping to boost other nonprofits and things that they're already doing a really good job at, but bringing in our resources and knowledge and management skills to help them give them a boost that they may need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's, that's just awesome. Um, was it complicated? Was it a big lift to get it off the ground or was it really just doing some legal paperwork to put it together yeah i mean a little bit of legal paperwork to put it together i would say that was the easiest part uh the next part was appointing the board of directors which i wanted to be very intentional about um so i have people on our board of directors some people you know a couple i've known for 30 years a couple of people that i may have only met for 30 minutes before asking them to be on the board i just wanted a very diverse um you know set of perspectives on you know what we were doing and what we were all about so yeah. the sours snow and ice management team is brought into different conversations at different points but it it is a separate company yes. um with a different board of directors so that's that's a new thing for me um you know i have a really good relationship with our team here so now i'm trying to build that type of relationship with the board of directors with the nonprofit. yeah no that's great how do you balance uh, work and family? I know you're you you're married and you have a couple of kids, and so how and they're young, like you yeah, said, yeah. almost seven and one. And so, how does that work? 
Oh, maybe we should ask my husband how I balance it. <laughs> no, I, I have a really great support team, you know, both here and personally. Um, both my mom and my, my husband's mom help with the kids. And uh, my husband is very supportive. Uh, he, he knows that uh, he knows that I get satisfaction out of doing good things for people, like through the nonprofit and also through being productive at work. So, um, yeah, we just kind of have a good flow going. We do what we can. We try to, you know, take take some days off here and there to spend with the kids. It's been uh, been an interesting summer with everything going on, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah, probably more family time than than you normally. Yeah, have. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, just just the team here and at home. Everybody is uh, everybody's very supportive, which yeah. gives me the freedom and flexibility to do you know the things that I enjoy doing. That's just so awesome. Not not everyone has that support, and so very lucky. You know, yep, that's awesome. So, if my math is correct, uh, seventeen years in the industry. What what do you like about this industry? Oh, uh, definitely uh, the people. I mean, you know, you go to a networking event, either SIMA or ASCA, and everyone is just so willing to help each other. It's, you know, it's not like everyone is closed lipped and don't, you know, don't steal my ideas. Everybody is so open to sharing and, and supportive and, you know, people you meet one night at SIMA could be, you know, texting you once a month to see how you're doing. It's just the, the relationships are, are really, I think the best part of the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I've been involved in some other industries that are very much not like that. So it really hmm. stands out to me as well. Um, what about some challenges? Uh, you know, I've been on these podcasts uh, asking for people to share if they've had, you know, maybe some significant challenge in their life they've had to overcome. And not everyone has, um, but sometimes people have. And, and sometimes those are really interesting uh, things to learn from. And And so let me just ask that question of you. Have you had to overcome a serious challenge or obstacle in your life? Um, and what was it? And how did it shape you? So it could be snow related or sure. not snow related? Anything. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think there's just a lot of, there's been various challenges, some small, some large. Um, but the big thing that I've learned from most of them is to, to stay positive. Um, and just, you know, believe that whatever is happening in your life, there's a reason for it. You know, sometimes you don't know what the reason is right when it's happening, but mm -hmm. within a few months, you usually figure out what the reason was. Okay. Um, that, and I guess great another, advice. yeah. Yeah. And another challenge would probably be, you know, when my brothers and I were young and, you know, come. I wouldn't say combative, but, you know, not really in the, the same flow that we're in right now. You know, Pre -EOS. I was in young 20s. <laughs> yeah, young 20s, three siblings all thinking we're doing, you know, the right thing and pointing fingers. That that was probably the biggest um, the biggest challenge we've been through as a company, just getting through those years together. Um, but we had enlisted a business coach at that time. And one of the things that he taught me that that stays with me is, Anytime you have something going on, focus on the issue, not the person. Hmm. And that really helped to take the, the personal attacks out of the equation. Yeah. Um, 
So just always figure out what the root cause is and what the issue is and, and move forward from there. Don't, it's not worth it to point fingers and play the blame game. Yeah. And that was really smart to bring someone from the outside, you know, cause trying to, you know, pull your parents into that role or, or someone else or have one of you try to lead that conversation. It wouldn't have been the same thing. No, yeah. no. Yeah. That's great. Um, what about looking forward in the industry? What are some things that you're, I, I guess, how do you describe the state of the industry today? Um, uh, assuming we get back to more of a normal world and uh, what are some trends that you're seeing and are, are you seeing anything COVID related that's really going to affect your business this winter? Well, we have reached out to all of our clients. Uh, we did it in like mid July and we were asking them if they foresaw any changes in say the scope of work coming into this coming season. And we were pleasantly surprised to hear back from 98% of them that they didn't expect any changes. Nice. So that was something that we were a little concerned about, you know, everybody's working remotely. Don't plow the parking lot. We were right. uh, considerably concerned about that. Yeah, that's great. That's possibility. Great yeah. So what's next in the industry? Like what's on the horizon? Where do you think the industry's going? I think to a lot of technology, um, you know, with all of the, uh, the risk management and trying to get the, uh, the whole insurance crisis under control and, you know, getting these insurance carriers to come back into the market. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's a, uh, a nationwide issue, but I know it's a problem it in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I work Huge pretty issue. closely yeah. with, with, uh, Kevin at the ASCA and we're, you know, we're trying to get some legislation going. Um, that's a huge issue that, uh, yeah, we got to get under control or, uh, the industry. I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, we could fall apart. I don't know how we're going to be able to afford this insurance a couple years from now, if things go in the same direction. Yeah, there's some new products coming out. Um, I just had a phone call yesterday with a gentleman, um, and I, I, I wouldn't want to disclose at this point, even if I could remember the name of the company and everything, which I don't. Um, nice guy. But um, there's some really interesting things coming. So um, I think there's there's definitely a need for some industry-wide solutions on the insurance side and on the legislative um, protection side from slip and fall liability and and tort reform and things like that. So a lot of work to do as the industry. And, and I know you've been involved in some of those things. Um, what, what, what do you want to share that we didn't talk about Steph? Well, last chance, last chance. I don't, I don't have a whole lot more. How much um, snow are we going to have this winter? Oh my gosh. I <laughs> what hope, are they saying? The magic I question. hope a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're due, right? Yeah. Last we, year was and, a light winter for you, right? The last Yeah, two. we got a, a trace of snow at the Philadelphia mm -hmm. airport. Nice. So it was a very long snow season waiting for the snow. Yeah. Well, in in light of that comment in 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 my own personal response to the question I posed to you, what where's the industry going? I hope the industry's going toward more professionalism um increasingly and toward more seasonal limited and retainer style contracts. I think that's where the industry really needs to go. Um, I'm encouraging all my clients to really, really stop proposing anything that doesn't have a retainer component to it. 
Um, and that's different than agreeing to sign something, <laughs> but, but, you know, really, really focusing the sales effort on fixed guaranteed money, um, and doing it in a real smart way, right. To really minimize that risk right from the beginning. Don't even open the door in the conversation to the real risky business models unless we need to. So I, I hope the industry goes in that direction because that would be really great if collectively yeah. that, you know, we just took away some of the options that really never made sense. Uh, we've tolerated them. So, you know, let's stop proposing something that we don't want to tolerate. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, gotta, gotta hold your ground and, uh, yeah, there you go. Not be afraid to get rid of someone who's not a good fit <laughs> too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Steph, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for just sharing your thoughts with us. And um, we hope you have a great winter season in, in Philadelphia. And uh, hope to see you at an industry event very soon. Yes, same to you. Thank you. All right, take care. Thank you for listening. We welcome suggestions for future guests or topics. Feel free to email me directly at phil at growthebench.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, Become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go for it.